The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning, friends, and welcome back to this episode of our podcast, a live stream, live stream devotional, as we study the source of truth, which is the Word of God. And we greatly, greatly appreciate the privilege you've given to us uh, to be part of your day. And we really hope this is a help and encouragement as we take a few minutes together in God's Word. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4. We're working our way through the second half of this book as Peter's really encouraging this persecuted church about how to respond, to recognize the reality that at that time, as the this brand new church is heavily persecuted, he's encouraging them and recognizing the persecution. He's encouraging them how to respond to persecution. Well, today, honestly, today and probably tomorrow, depending, I have about six verses here. My guess is I only get through three of them this morning. But what he's looking really at now is this thought of how, how do we treat each other in the midst of times of persecution. You see, one of the greatest things that Satan wants to do, he believes one of the greatest tools, the Bible tells us that uh, a house that is divided cannot stand. A house divided amongst itself cannot stand. If God, if, excuse me, rephrase this correctly, if Satan wants to destroy a church or destroy a family or destroy a healthy relationship, he rarely does it from the outside. Uh, we have to remember Lucifer, Satan, was the most beautiful creature God ever created. He is not always going to come uh, with this idea, uh, you know, that what his ideas are. They're not always going to look evil. He's not always coming, or he's not rarely coming, you know, with the pitchfork and the tail and the red suit. Or it's, we look at him as this evil, conniving, this, this picture, and it's obvious when it's Satan coming at us. When the matter of fact is, generally speaking, the Bible says we are to be aware of the wiles or the devices of the devil. He uses multiple, and it's rarely obvious that it's him, and it's rarely brought as bad. Do this and your life will fall apart. It's almost never like that. So what we look at, though, is that he uses deception as one of his greatest tools. You can go back to Eve and how he manipulated the conversation to make it work. Throughout Scripture, manipulation, deception is one of Satan's greatest tools. So what he wants to do is he wants to not necessarily attack from the outside, because generally we probably see that coming. He finds his way to work inside our churches and our homes and our marriages, and he uses lies and deception to get us to see something that maybe he's there, we've blown our proportion, or maybe not there at all, and we begin to split over it. Actually, the Bible tells us these six things is the Lord, hey, yea, seven are an abomination unto the Lord. I hope we understand how powerful that is. He's named seven sins, six because he hates them, and the seven are an abomination. So, if you know, there's a lot of sins. God's going to state seven in Scripture. That's something we need to keep an eye on. He starts with a proud look which often is the reason for number seven, which is he that sows discord among the brethren. And that's what we're talking about here. How do we respond to each other? You see, because when conflict comes, we become frustrated, we become easily anxious, and then Satan uses that for us to begin to see division where it's not or create division. We're not getting our way and all of these things. And so what really should bring us together as a church is sometimes the exact same tool Satan uses to find a way to separate us. Well, let's unpack these verses real quick, see what we can learn from them. 1 Peter 4, verse 7. 
The Bible says this, but the end of all things is at hand. Uh, the end of life, you know, we realize we have a limited time on earth. We have, as in, you know, 80, 80, 90 years maybe, the world has a limited time. We need to be less concerned about the things that are going to pass away. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Be sober, be aware, prayer be part of it. Don't be so consumed with things that are going to pass, that are the same things they were a thousand years ago. We need to look to what is important. So then he says, what's important? Verse Above all things, have fervent charity, catch this, among yourselves. He's speaking to Christians here. For charity shall cover a multitude of sins. Verse 9, use hospitality to one to another without grudging. So let's look at these last two verses. He Obviously, when he says above all things, he places a heavy preeminence and priority on this phrase, above all things. This is, this is extremely important. He goes, have fervent charity. He doesn't just say have charity. And by the word, where charity just means love. He doesn't just have love. He goes, have fervent love among yourselves, for love will cover a multitude of sins. So the first thing he tells us in this passage, in this verse, is to show love and show it fervently, uh, which means do it consistently, do it passionately, and continue to go out and do it. And sometimes the people you're showing to it are going to respond and be grateful and say thank you. Some, the reason you're showing fervent charity is because they're overwhelmed, they're hurt, and they're kind of in a defensive mode pushing us away, and God is saying, in that time, show more charity. Show love. Don't, don't be obnoxious and rude. Please understand that. But don't just walk away because, man, they're, they're rough. Maybe the, that defensive exterior that they're using might be exactly the reason they need love. They're hurting. They're healing or whatever term we want to use. And maybe God is saying, this is the person you should love to. Show fervent. Keep going. Don't, don't be obnoxious or rude, but keep going and keep showing love. And just, you know what? That's what love is. Love is unconditional. No matter how many times you're told to stay away, you're going to find a gracious, loving way to show love because it's what God's asked us to do. Please understand, love is not necessarily... An emotion. It is an emotion, but in many cases, it's a decision. And love shouldn't be based upon whether I like what someone is doing to me or not. And frankly, a lot of times, it's not even based upon the person. In this situation, it's based upon obedience. We should be drawn together by the conflicts of the world and the battles and the church. We should be drawn together. And Satan wants to give us. And unfortunately, our human side can find one million reasons a day to stay away from people, including Christians. And sometimes in that scenario, because we're frustrating Christians, you think they're going to be easy to get along with. And sometimes you find them to be hard to get along with. Why? Because they're human. Just like your neighbors sometimes are hard to get along with. Or you are sometimes hard to get along with. hope you understand the point there. So when we look at this... We just keep showing that love because that's what we need. We show and give what we need. And then we let God bring it back our way. And we show fervent love. And I love what he says, charity or love shall cover the multitude of sins. Now, there's several thoughts as to exactly what this means. There's The one is that when someone has sinned, my love for them will be strong enough to where I don't really want to make a big deal about it. We're going to love them. We're going to find a way to make sure these sins aren't exposed. Basically, the things you've done to me, I could make a really big deal about. I can tell everybody all these horrible things, or because of love, I won't. And I think there's a lot of legitimacy in that. I think that's one of the um, applications of that. I like what another person said, that when we look at the idea of love covering a multitude of sins, maybe if we were to show love, the things that might end up happening won't. Think about that. The conflict that might be in a relationship that is there that could continue to grow and that could continue to develop more animosity, that 
a love might be able to bring healing to a relationship that instead of it growing in animosity, instead of it growing in sin, could find restitution, could find reconciliation. So I think both of those are accurate. The idea is this, love covers a multitude of sin. We know that, that's the interpretation. When I love somebody, I can cover and squelch and help sin not to expand. How that, how that results in itself can be a lot of things. I forgive people through love. I ignore love, so I'm not gonna expose it. I show love, so less sin is happening. Here's the point. We, we struggle with problems getting worse in relationships and in, 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 any, in any human connection. And he is saying, if we want to limit that, love is the answer to that. Again, this is not an emotion. This is not if I like them or if I think. You know what this is? This is God saying, this is what I want you to do. That's all I need. It's not easy, but it's all I need. So if I recognize this is what I need, well, then I strive to the best of my ability outside of my natural self to do what God's asked me to do. Let's look at the last verse here, verse 9. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. So it makes sense. Use hospitality to each other without grudging. One, don't do it like, oh, I have to do it because God told me to do it. All right. That, that, you know, don't do it grudgingly. But you know another reason we do it, the idea of grudging is don't do it with, okay, I'll be nice to this person, but they better be nice back. That is the point of unconditional love. I'm going to show love and acceptance and, and love, whatever. I'm going to be kind, kindness. I'm going to show that to people no matter what they do to me. See, we live in a responsive world. I will be nice to this person. I will show love to this person. I will show respect to this person. All of these things true as soon as they do it to me. And, then as soon as they, and here's the problem with that. Then we might never get a chance to show that person love if they don't show it to us first. Because you know what's happening? That same person, that other person, that husband, that wife, that family member, that church friend, that neighbor, that coworker, they may never show because they may say the same thing you want. You say, well, they should. It's on them. Catch that? They may be sitting in their home or at work or whatever and saying this, well, I won't ever show that person love until they show it to me. And so both of us might be sitting across the street or in the same room or across the table or at work or at church and we could both be sitting there saying, I'm not gonna show love to that person until they show it to me. And both of them are sitting there insisting that it's the other person's responsibility. And that's exactly how Satan wants it to be. And we may have a thousand good reasons in our mind for why. Can I challenge us? This is something that I want us to catch because this is not as easy to take the next step, okay, this is a little more hard for us to take. We can have a thousand reasons to justify why we wait for the other person to act first. But here's the question, does that fit what we've learned from scripture here? Does that fit obedience to God? Well, pastor, you know this, and no, no, I get it, I get it, trust me, and I, there are situations in my life where I can give you 10 really good reasons why they, they should come to me first. I mean that, there's people in, our, in my life throughout the years, hey, I, they should come to me first because they started it, or, and legitimately, I'm not asking humanly here. I'm asking when we sit there and say, I am not going to show them love, does it fit the Bible? God has not asked us to wait. God has said, go do it. By the way, even when I do it, they may not come back. They may not show it back. That's okay. You say, why is that okay? It's not fair. No, it's not fair, but that's okay because I've done what God's asked me to do. I let God take care of that. I let God take care of them. But you know what God's going to do? He's going to bless me. He's going to bless my life, and he's going to probably help create other scenarios where that scenario, you know, okay, I've done my part. I can live in obedience to God. I can live in blessing. That's what I want. I want God's blessing. I want my God's hand upon my life. So I live in obedience. And so they may not respond, and that would be sad, but that is their choice. I must do what I can do, and then let God take care of the things I cannot. Easy to say, 
Very, very much not easy to do. But I hope to challenge you to say today, I'll try. This week, I'll try. And Lord, I'll give the rest to you. Thanks again for joining us on this Tuesday morning. Greatly appreciate the wonderful privilege you've given to me to be part of your day, part of your life. I hope this is a help. I hope this is an encouragement. This is one of those scenarios where it's God's like, Lord's telling us to do something that is not easy. Sounds good, but so not easy. We need His grace. So being here is a great opportunity to be able to grow in Christ and say, Lord, I will strive my, my best this week to do what you've asked us to do. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you join us again tomorrow.